Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, you ready for round two, part two? Family Circus series kicked off last week. Amen. And so uh, one of the things that I, I wanted to do during this series and talking to uh, the staff was I wanted to give you something when you left to kind of just put you in remembrance of the things that you've been taught. Uh, because again, let's understand it's not enough just to come and go. That's never was God's intent in creating the church. Uh, but it's to, to come and fill up on the word and then be a doer of the word. Amen. So we walk out uh, changed because of the presence of God and with information that is for our life, productive for our life. And we need to apply that. And so I just thought it'd be fun to have a couple things as you exit during the series that maybe will put you in remembrance, just some things that will help you remember uh, the moment in service and the things that you've learned. So one of the things I remember as a kid going to the circus is popcorn. So they got some popcorn out there on your way out. Uh, Make sure you load up so you won't spend as much on lunch. Right? Just, okay. Be a blessing to you. Uh, but we just got popcorn. And again, just kind of for fun, to help, as you eat it or take it, maybe it'll help you remember some of the things that we learned today. Amen? How I many guys know the Word of God is powerful? Amen. It is. And so we're going to open the Word up and turn it in your Bible to Proverbs 24 for me. 24, verse 3. It's our foundational text for the series. Uh, really excited about today. Every, every week I'm looking forward to. Uh, we kind of introduced everything last week. We, we talked about how to manage your three-ring circus, what your family might look like. Uh, today we're going to uh, talk about the main event and, the, you know, the, the, what's playing in the, in the center ring, if you will. We're calling it the main attraction. And so we're going to deal with marriages and, and the parenting relationship, marriages. We'll talk about parenting specifics next week. We're going to kind of focus on the, the marriage relationship today. I want to encourage you, if you're single, don't check out on me. God has a plan for your life. Amen? And so these are important principles. No matter where you find yourself in life, uh, marriage is a big deal. It is uh, something that we see constantly under attack in today's world. And in fact, maybe when we talk about family circus, maybe it's most descriptive of your marriage. Uh, I think it is somewhat the way the world looks at it and the way the world continues to try and redefine things. Now understand, man can redefine and recreate all at once, but God still has the final word. Amen? And so we have to have our life and and areas of our life in line with the word. That's why we preach the word. Don't take my word, take his word for it and apply it to your life to give you the best possible opportunity for success in life and marriage and parenting and all the other things that we strive for and want to do well in. So marriage is one of those. God has a lot to say about. We're going to talk about a few things this morning. So Proverbs 24.3, New Century Version says it this way. It takes wisdom. Say wisdom. Wisdom to have a good family. We want good families. That's what we want and desire. And it takes understanding, say understanding, to make it strong. We want a good family, but we want it to be strong. It needs to be strong in today's world. Again, because the family seems like it's under such attack. So we need a good, strong family. That word wisdom means this, having the ability to know what's right and true or to discern what is right and true. And understanding means the power to apply what you comprehend. So it takes the ability to know what's right and true to have a good family. And it takes the power or ability to apply what you comprehend to make it strong. Now with that understanding, let's look at Proverbs 9. These two scriptures really just go together. Proverbs 9, 10. It says this, the fear of the Lord or reverential respect of God is the beginning of wisdom or is the beginning of the ability to understand what is right and true or to discern what is right and true. And the knowledge of the Holy One being God is understanding or the power to apply what you learn. 
So these things go hand in hand. And what this really means is we need God in the midst of our marriages, amen? Our families, everything we do, we need God. We need heaven on earth. We need some divine intervention. So you will never experience life, marriage, parenting, whatever it is, finances, as God intended, uh, to the fullest extent as God intended without he being the centerpiece. And so we need to always keep that in mind. And so we need to understand it takes something from heaven, something divine to have a good, strong family and a good, strong marriage. Um, Again, my title today is The Main Attraction because I think that is the key for every home, uh, whether you're a single parent, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, some next week too, or a married couple. And um, I want to start, and this is going to sound so funny, but bear with me. I want to start our marriage uh, sermon this morning in the book of Lamentations, (laughs) and which if you know the book of Lamentations, it's a lament. It's Jeremiah being down and depressed, but it'll get good, I promise you. So maybe some think, well, you just described it right there. That's a great place to start, okay? But hang in there. There's good stuff here. So go ahead and turn to Lamentations for me. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 19 through 23. Let's take a look. And this is the prophet Jeremiah writing here. And it is a difficult time that they find themselves in. And he kind of sounds a little depressed, but he gives us some great, uh, he gives us some great instruction here, some great wisdom and insight. Starting in verse 19, he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. And he's saying, I just keep thinking about the past. I'm just kind of thinking about the things I've done. I I, I keep remembering. They keep coming back. I'm looking back to see where I had my trouble. I'm looking back to see the issues, the choices that I have in life. He goes on to say this, I well remember them. It's like, I, I don't need anybody remind me they're always there. I keep remembering them myself. And my soul is downcast. And don't you know that if you keep dwelling on your past, your soul will be downcast. And isn't it good to know that Jesus came to take care of your past so you can live and focus on your future? Amen? Amen. And he's talking about this, living out of my choices, living out of my past, seeing the mistakes I've made. And we're talking about a marriage relationship. I used to be dating other people. I made some choices, some regrets. And he goes on to say this, and he says it in verse 21, yet this I call to mind, I'm going to tell you how to get beyond your past. I'm going to give you the key, he's saying, I'm going to give you the key to make better choices and to move forward in the future. And therefore, I have hope. So we always have hope in Jesus, amen? So no matter what our past is, we always have hope in his name is Jesus. And he goes on to say this then. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. King James Version says, his mercies are new every morning. Aren't you glad for that? That your past, let your past be the past. We've all made mistakes. We all have issues. We all bring things into our marriages. We all make mistakes in our marriages. But Jeremiah is saying, there is a hope, and that is God, and his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. I know what he's done. And he has provided mercy every day for my mistakes and my past. And he's a faithful God. Well, how do you know? Maybe I've done too much. I know because he's faithful. He's faithful. His mercies are new today. So what we hear today, I want to encourage you, don't live in the past. Have that hope of what God has done and provided. Let the new mercies be yours. And then tomorrow when you wake up, guess what? They're new that morning. And the next day, they're new that morning. And the day after that, they're new that morning. Why? You see, he's a faithful God. And so we need to understand that as we move forward because Jeremiah is wanting to live life forward and he gives us the key to that and we need to live life forward also as well despite of what we've done in our individual lives and then as we've come together in a married uh, capacity. So understand this, God is always willing to give you a do-over. 
God is always willing to give you a new start, a new beginning. God is always willing to give you a clean slate. He will always give you a chance to let your past be the past and live life forward. And let me encourage you, we serve a God whose mercies are new every morning, amen? All right, so let me ask you two questions this morning. The first one is this, are great marriages possible? Are great marriages possible? We always say resounding yes, they are possible. All things are possible through him who believes, right? We serve the God of, the, of, of possible. He turns impossible things to possible because he's God. And we always say that. And then there's no perfect marriage because there's no perfect people. But a great marriage is possible. It's only possible with God and we all would agree that a great marriage is possible. But let me ask you a second question. Are great marriages probable? Get real silent. I mean, what's that? In first service, I had one guy say, no. <laughs> and then I think he looked over at his wife, forgot where he was or whatever. I don't, I don't know. So, I'm pray for you after service, brother. Uh, no, and the reason why we kind of hesitate, maybe not even answer on that one, because if you look at the world today, the world would obviously say no. They're not very probable. Not in today's world. Oh, let me say it this way. The world would say the odds are stacked against you. And that's why we see less and less people getting married and, and more and more people living together as married, but not married, but you're missing out on a powerful principle of marriage and the marriage covenant and the blessing that God can provide for you. And I know the world's redefining marriage, but it only works best the way God has defined it, amen? And so that's where the greatest blessings and greatest benefit are. But is it probable is the question, and and we could read in statistics, and I could give you a whole bunch of those, we'll talk a little bit about some of that, but it is widely accepted today that our divorce rate is at 50%, and 50% of marriages end in divorce, whether they're in church or outside the church, and that's typically what is accepted. Now, there is a lot of people that would say that within the church, the divorce rate really is less, and I would agree with that statement if the couple is pressing into the things of God, but not all people in church do. We know that in our personal life, much less our married life or our parenting, right? And so, yes, there is hope that the statistic can be lower in church, but only among people that are pressing in to put the creator of marriage at the center of it all. But it's typically accepted that you have a 50-50 chance of making it work. If you don't do anything about your marriage, you have a 50-50 chance of making it work. And you know what? That's interesting to me. There really is no other area in your life where we'd take those odds, I mean, think about it. I'm fixing to go on a trip and, and we're gonna go to India and, and visit our missionaries over there. I'm really excited about that. But what would it look like if I sat down on that plane and all of a sudden the pilot comes over the intercom and says, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for flying with us. We know you have a choice in flying. I just wanna let you know that you have a 50% chance of making it to your destination and a 50% chance of crashing. You know what I would do? Get me off the plane. Get me off. I'm gonna find another pilot, another plane that there's a better, there are better odds of making it, right? But why is it that we go into marriages or we look at our marriage and we don't do the things that will increase or better our odds? And we just, we don't typically do that. And then there, understand there are things. It doesn't just happen, but there are things, principles in the scripture from the creator of marriage that if we will apply to our life, they work. And they will increase or better your odds for a strong marriage, a good marriage and family. And so let's better our odds this morning. That's all I want to do today is help us better our odds and not just be content with the averages or the probabilities of today, no matter what the world says. God has a way to better your odds. Guess what? God always has a way to better your odds in every area of your life because his word has given us the, the instruction to achieve the greatest success because that's his desire for all of us. So God has a better way. Let's start with uh, something uh, most of us think we're probably doing good at, but if we understand it, the scripture completely 
we really probably aren't doing as well as we think. Matthew 6.33, and here's what it says, Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek God, his kingdom, his righteousness. I'm gonna seek first all things God. And we say that and we quote that. It's a pretty common scripture. And most would say, yeah, I love God. I'm, I'm putting God first. But in reality, if you're really to break it down, chances are we struggle with some of that. In other words, the principle here is this. In my life, I'm going to go after all things God as a priority. Let's say it that way. In my life, I'm going to go after all things God as a priority. Well, and now it puts it in a little bit different light for you and I. See, understand this, when you go all in for God, he gets involved in you. He gets involved in your stuff. Remember, you draw near to God, he draws near to you, he's a responder. And so when you press in to the things of God, when you seek all things God first, God responds in kind to you. See, God's not actively involved in your life until you're actively involved in his, he is a responder. Now, how do you actively get involved in God's life or how do you get him involved in your life? Well, you seek first his kingdom. You seek first all things God. You make God a priority in all things. You cannot compartmentalize God in your life. And we try to do that, don't we? We try and do that in different areas, maybe business or finances or whatever that is and we leave him out. I got this handled, God, don't worry about it. But that's not what God says is the key to better the odds for success in family and marriage. If you want your stuff taken care of, the scripture says here, you need to put God as a priority. If you wanna take care of your own stuff, opt out of having his power operating in your life by him not being at the top of the priority list. And now I know that we love, we're talking about marriage, I I know that when we're we're sitting next to our spouse and and we hear people say this and people that are single, I'm I'm looking for that one, I I just, I need to get that one. We we place this great emphasis on that one and everything's gonna be okay. Not that everything's gonna be okay, I'm looking for that one, you're the one, and we're, we, we've seen too many Jerry Maguire movies. I'm looking for that one pastor that completes me. <laughs> you know, it's like that. And can I say this morning, the only one that completes you is God. Can I just say, we've bought into some fairy tale kind of thing that, that another person can bring wholeness to our life, that another person can actually complete us. That's an impossibility. In fact, too much pressure and expectation for that other person. God is the only one that makes us whole. God is the only one that completes us. And then you might say, the pushback might be this, well, what about in the, in the beginning, in Genesis, where right, it says, God says, let's make man in our image, and uh, it's not good that he should be alone. Then he says, it's not good for man to be alone. Let's make a woman or a completing partner. He's making a completing partner, a partner for life, to complete a mission, complete a destiny. But only God makes an individual complete and whole. He's the only one who has the power and ability to do that. But going into marriage, because we think the one, the one, We put too much expectation, too much pressure on an individual that could never measure up to that. It's an impossibility. It's impossible for you to measure up to that in the eyes of other people as well. And so the only one that makes us whole is God and the only one you are incomplete without is God. Marriage Marriage does not complete who you are. And so listen to this. You have to understand that you cannot let people be in a position that only God was intended to be in. You cannot let people be in a position that only God was intended to be in. And a lot of the reason why we have failed, uh, we have failed relationships is because we're expecting things from people only God can give. And that creates frustration and it, it just causes strife and division. See, no one can live up to that. It's hard, it's too much pressure. And let me say this, if you're looking for someone to complete you, and we might think in those terms, it's like anything that you idolize, anything you have this expectation of, 
Let me say it this way. If you idolize something, you will, uh, at, at some point in time, you will despise it. I mean, that's truth. That's why God says, have no other idols before me. If you have an expectation of wholeness and completeness in a person, you will eventually despise that in a person. Let me give you an illustration. If you, I just love this guy. He's so good. He's so laid back. I just love him out. Nothing rattles him. He's so laid back. I love that about him. 10 years later, he's a lazy bum. I can't get him up to do anything, right? Or I love her. She's amazing. She's so detail-oriented. She just has it all together. 10 years later, she's controlling and bossy, Right? And so understand that it's only God that can bring that completion to you, and we place unfair expectations on spouses. And so, uh, you know, the reason why we expect it from them is because we don't have it in our God, because if we have it in our God, we don't need it from anyone else. That was a lot better than, yeah, you guys are responding. I'm going to read that one again for you. The only reason why we expect this from others is because we don't have it in our God, because if we have it in our God, we don't need it from anyone else. Amen? Amen. It's found in God. He brings us to completion, okay? So let me put this on the screen for you. So to deal with the circus that is your marriage, God is my one and my spouse is my two. That's how we live life. That's how we deal with our family circus that is our marriage. God is our one, our spouse is my two. Now, if you're single, it works this way. Make this commitment. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. And what that means is if you're single, you're not even really supposed to focus on the two. You're just supposed to focus on the one. You need to see how close you can get to the one or to God. While you're single, see how close you can get to the one. And when you do, you'll discover two things. Number one, you'll be very attractive to those looking for a spouse. When you're focusing on the one, then you're getting your completion and you're getting your fulfillment from the one, you are more attractive to people looking for a spouse because you're becoming more like God. You have the character like God, you have the morals like God, you have the commitments like God, you serve, you pray, you're kind, compassionate. You can become more like God and it's what people are looking for. It's what you should be looking for. And number two, this will happen, you'll be letting God's power work in you. Or in other words, you'll get out of the way. You'll get out of his way. Right? So for the married people, here's how it applies to you. I will seek the one with my two. I will seek the one with my two. Okay, pastor, but we love God and we're serving God and, and we're going to church and all that. And, but understand, it's not what we think it is. And this is a big deal. And a lot of Christians will say, a lot of Christian couples really will say, well, we're going to church together. And can I say that going to church together occasionally is not to seeking God. And, and I think we've bought into this that churches are fix-all thing. And church is great, but you gotta press into God. You gotta have a relationship with God. You can't let the church be your relationship with God. And so a lot of Christian couples, other than going to church together, occasionally really don't seek God together. And if you're a Christian couple not actively seeking God together, then you're not bettering your odds for your marriage. So remember the statistics are pretty much the same, pretty much the same are accepted for Christians and non-Christians as far as divorce goes. And this is a huge principle of seeking God with my two. Now, and keep in mind, we should never expect our spouse to be something only God can be. But listen to this, for some, you're seeking God as your one. I got that, pastor, I'm seeking God as my one. But your spouse is not your two. Let me say it this way. You're seeking God as your one, but your children are your two. 
You've elevated your kids. I'm at, we're a child-centered home above the place of your spouse. Or your job or your career is your two. Or your hobby and your friends have become your two. But understand, you only better your odds when God's your one and your spouse is your two. And you're seeking God together. You're seeking the one together. So your priority has to be your spouse. Now understand the order there because God is a God of order. And anything out of order does not bring the blessing of God that we all want. God's number one, and after that, your priority is your spouse. And so let me give you some tools on how you can seek God together in your family circus. Um, There's three principles found in God's word that I want to share with you this morning. There's certainly more. I want to focus on three. And really, they're ones that are recognized by the secular world. And, And I always love it when science and philosophy and psychology and sociology and all that studies and data gathering all supports and affirms God's word. And in fact, if you look at anything successful, you'll find if you trace it all back, it is a principle of God's word, if anything that does work. And so there's three principles I want to give you this morning that is supported by Scientific study, data gathering, Harvard, all kinds of other groups and people and studies that have been done, tools that if applied to life, even the secular world will admit, give you a better chance for success in your marriage. In other words, they better your odds, they improve your odds. And so again, if someone came to you and said, hey, listen, I can offer you better odds, would you take it? I would, I guess I'm the only one. I don't know, it was pretty silent right there. I didn't expect that. I was kind of caught off guard right there. But if someone offered you better odds in everything in life, would you take it? Yeah, if you're on that 50-50 that pilot says, we got a 50% chance to crash, a 50% chance to, to make it to our destination, but a couple gates up, there's a 75-25, if you're into that, or an 85-15. I'm off and I'm headed for the 85-15, I'm telling you. I'm looking for the 99-1 to 1 maybe, if nothing else. You know what I'm talking about? But the Bible offers us, come on guys, the Bible offers us better odds in life in every area. We need to be smart enough to take it. We need to have wisdom and understanding to take it and let it operate in our life. And now they will stretch you. It's not going to be easy. It is possible. They'll stretch you. It'll be difficult, but it will work and it will increase your odds. Number one, pray together. And there aren't going to be any simpler than these three points. But number one, pray together. And that's why they're powerful. No one can miss out. We just need to choose to do it. A couple that prays together stays together. It's true. It's proven to be true pray together. Say, prayer is one of the things that we all know we need to do, but we don't like to do it publicly. We don't like to do it out loud. We don't. It's just uncomfortable. I I don't want to pray out loud. I'm I'm intimidated. I'm not confident in that. And that's just the enemy trying to get us to miss out on the blessing that is praying together. And so, and even the world would, would try and keep us quiet on things because the world would even say that my faith is private. And I hear people say that all the time. My faith is private. Keep it private. The world wants you to keep your faith private. And we see all these decisions that are being made and all this persecution towards Christ followers. And it's like, hey, if that's how you want to live, keep it to yourself, buddy. Keep your faith to yourself. And can I say, faith is is personal, but it was never meant to be private. It was meant to be public, to live a public life. So faith is personal and public. And so my faith was meant to be personal, not private, and public as well. James 5.16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Say each other. And pray for each other. Say each other. There's nothing private about that. 
that's a together thing for me. That's together. We need to engage with other people so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It says, therefore, confess your sins. Basically, it doesn't just mean the mistakes that you've made. And you don't have to share that with everybody. It's not what it's saying. And we're not talking about that necessarily this morning. But it's everywhere you have a problem, you need to have someone that you're praying about it with. You need to be engaged with somebody. Somebody, let me say it this way, you need to have people who know what you're praying for. You have people you know that know what you're praying for and pray for each other. It says if you want prayer to work, God is an each other God. Understand that. God's not just a you and God kind of God. He's an each other kind of God. Amen? We see that in the scripture. So what does that mean? Because it, it, it means work for you. And really when I say that you need to pray together, all the ladies would say, amen, pastor. And all the men would say, oh no. <laughs> right? And it's not what it's talking about. And let me come from a different angle this morning on these three points because here's what happens. If we're trying to find time to pray together, it's never gonna be there. You may get it once, maybe twice if you're lucky. Schedules are so crazy, things are going on. And then it's so uncomfortable and so awkward, you never wanna do it again. And then you're looking for any excuse. You're looking for anything to come up, right? And trying to plan things around. It does, it's uncomfortable. But understand that I don't want you to to look at it just as a formal thing of prayer, but maybe an informal way we pray. Let me talk about it this way. That doesn't mean that you have to wake up early and spend your personal prayer time together. And everyone needs a personal prayer time, for sure. I think everyone needs that. But some couples are able to combine their personal prayer time, and I think that's great. And if that works for you, man, more power to you. But throughout the day, bring prayer into your relationship. Throughout the day, bring prayer into your relationship. And what I mean by that is you should, throughout the course of your day, be communicating with your two, your spouse, the things that you're praying over or praying about. It could be something as simple as, honey, I know you have a big meeting today praying for you. I know you got a busy schedule. You got a lot of things going on at the house, babe, praying for you. I know you got to get this and that. And I don't know how, I'm praying, I don't know how you're going to do it. I'm praying for you. And you know what? Throughout the course of our day, there are numerous things that we can bring p- prayer into our two relationship. Come on, are you with me? And we don't do that as often as we should, but every opportunity, bring prayer into your relationship with your two. You can do that. Just want to let you know, love you, praying for you. Doesn't even need to be a perceived need. Just let them know I'm praying for you. I'm telling you what, there's a bonding that happens to that prayer. Prayer is intimate and powerful. It is a very powerful principle in our life. So it's informally a way that you bring prayer into your personal day, your personal time. Praying for the kids. No, you're not feeling well today. I noticed when I left, you weren't feeling good. Praying for you to get better. God's gonna heal you. Just bring it in to your relationship. Bring prayer into your relationship. And every one of us can do that. Remember, his mercy's new every morning, so start from today forward. Start from today forward. And the, uh, the couple that prays together stays together. Okay, let me say one other thing to, to singles here. You need to be very careful when you pray with the opposite person, the opposite person. Uh, prayer is a very intimate bonding thing, which again lends itself to the reason why couples should do that, married couples. So don't do that in private. I would say to you, don't do that in private because it is very intimate and it's very bonding. And so you certainly don't want to pray with that significant other when you're sitting on the couch because you'll go from prayer to tongues. <laughs> and, you know, and you know, that's just, you know, that's not, not, not in the Bible. I mean, don't do that yet. But for married couples, hey, send the kids to bed, get on the couch and pray that it goes to tongues. I mean, just, what, <laughs> come on guys, at least, come on guys. Well, I'm going to pray then. I just increased the men's prayer life by a hundredfold in our church right there, hundredfold. 
Hey, come on, that's, that's bonding. That's why married couples need to find those moments throughout our day to bring prayer into our relationship because it is very intimate. It is very bonding and connecting. Okay, let me give you number two because I want to better your odds. Number two, discuss the Bible together. Discuss the Bible. I'm like, what? A big theological discussion? No, absolutely not. The same principle. Bring Bible discussion or bring the word into your daily life. I'm not talking about, I think if you have a personal devotional time, I think that's fantastic. I have a personal one. It's a little more difficult uh, with your spouse trying to sit down and read the Bible. I do know people that do a couple's devotional and they're consistent. They can do that. They manage their schedule. I think, man, God bless you. More power to you. Uh, I just think even this last week for my family, that would be an impossibility. Uh, My wife has been in Canada all week. She comes back tonight with a very, very great, great friend here at the church. Uh, She's on a business trip. Didn't want to travel alone. We thought, man, you get to see Canada. Go have a good time and enjoy that time. So that makes it difficult. There's just schedule things. And if you try and do that and you miss a couple, you feel guilty and you think, this is not gonna work. I'm just not gonna do it. And instead of laying that down, just find ways to bring the Bible discussion into your relationship. You can text, you can talk face-to-face and that with your children as well. You can go home today and you talk about the message. You can talk about all the great things that were preached and don't talk about the other things, right? I mean, I'll wait for you. What'd you get out of it, honey? What, here's what I got out of it. Other than that, guys and ladies, you're gonna get the couch thing. So, but anyways, but um, you, you just, you talk about the word, right, in everyday life. And really you should be because you should be applying the word to everyday life. You should have word for everything that happens in life. You should talk to your kids about if they're teenagers they need to be back with Pastor Josh, what Pastor Josh preach on. Oh, that's awesome. Let's talk about that. Hey, what'd you learn in Faith Factory today? What'd you bring home from ECM today? Let's talk about that, honey. In fact, let me give you a scripture that really puts it in the right perspective. Let's look at Deuteronomy 6. Here's what it says. Here's how it says this in the Bible. These commandments that I give you today, the word, are to be on your hearts. How? Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you're around the dinner table, when you're eating, when you're sitting on the bed late at night before everybody goes to bed, when you're on the couch just as a family, talk about them there. And when you walk along the road, wherever you're going, on the way to school, on the way to work, to soccer practice, and when you lie down and when you get up in the morning, just talk about some things that maybe you've read, maybe you've heard, but intentionally, purposely bring a Bible discussion into your everyday lives. And it doesn't have to be corny, it doesn't have to be this theological three-point sermon. Just talk about life and the context of the Bible and its importance in your life. And it is extremely, extremely important. And you have to do it. It's hard to bring the Bible into your family in formal ways. You'll get discouraged and quit. So find informal ways to do that. Try and make sure Bible discussion is a part of your everyday life. Discuss it with each other. A great way to do that. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you better your odds. A great way to do that more in your week than you currently are is get in a life group. Life groups, hey, in life groups, Bible discussion happens. And then you go and you have something to chew on for a couple days. And you can call your buddies up from the life groups. You can talk to your spouse about the lesson when it's coming up the next time. You can go in there and talk about life, life enrichment classes. You saw those. That's a great way for Bible discussion. Wisdom for life, married for life, Bible discussion. You can talk about those things or trying to better your odds. What'd you read today? What's going on? What's happening? So uh, for you to change your odds dramatically, you need to discuss the Bible together, getting better odds. So God's been saying it. Science is supporting it and data supporting it. Even Harvard is supporting it. That you increase your odds of a great marriage when you do these things. And number three, final one, when you attend church together. Attend church together. I, I told you these are real simple. And this one might be the hardest one for you in a sense to wrap your brain around. But listen, church attendance is extremely important in the eyes of God. I mean, you know, where you come or go, I don't, I don't even know if half of you are here or not here. Some of you, I know where you sit now. So if you're gone, I'm like, hey, where were you? You weren't in your seat. I know where you sit. 
But you know, it just changes a lot and stuff like that. So really, but God knows. God knows when you've placed a priority when you've come to be in that place. And really, let me say it this way because now you're sitting here, well, I'm here, pastor, I'm here, right? I'm here, aren't I? I'm here already. Well, I wanna ask you to take it to another level. Let me say it this way. Attend church together faithfully. Attend church together faithfully. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need each other. We need this community. We need this time of reinforcing things. We need this time of spending time together in the presence of God. And I want you to consider getting with your family and together making a we don't miss church kind of thing. Here's what I mean. It's not when it fits we go to church. Well, when we can, we go to church. We know when we can, we do a lot of things. I want you to make a deeper commitment than that. Why? Because I'm trying to increase your odds because listen, it is proven. Scientific studies, Harvard will say, families, spouses that attend church regularly and faithfully have a lower divorce rate. It betters your odds for success. It's not about when the weather's right, we'll go. It's not about when the series is right, we'll go. It's not we were out late Friday or Saturday. It's our only day to sleep in. It's not about it, the game starts, the kickoff's at 325 today instead of 12. It's not, it's not soccer season, so we'll go. Listen, I'm talking about not when it works for you, be there and let it be the priority and let everything else win it works. I'm trying to better your odds. Listen, I'm just trying to better your odds because of what happens in community when we gather together in corporate worship and sitting under the word in relationship building. I'm asking you to consider making church first and everything else uh, waits kind of thing. And listen, here, here's what we're trying to do. Just change your odds. I, was, I wasn't raised to kind of casually go to church. I was raised this way, to faithfully attend. Now you would say, but yeah, you're a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I grew up that way. And, and that's true. I mean, I did. And I'm thankful that my parents put a high priority on church attendance. But here's what I know. And, and, and listen to my heart in this. Here's what I know. Stay-at-home parents don't raise go-to-church kids. Stay-at-home parents don't raise go-to-church kids. And we wonder why when our kids get older, they stray away from God and from church. And I just think that we could increase the odds of even our kids getting closer to God and seeing connected with the things of God if we will model that. And statistics will say we'll better our odds in our marriage of having a good, strong marriage. I'm just trying to change your odds. Luke 4, 16 says this. He, being Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on Sabbath day, on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his Custom, as what he regularly, faithfully did, Jesus attended service. What would happen if you and I made this a priority? Let me tell you, you would change your odds. Psalms 127.1 says this, unless the Lord builds the house, unless he is the priority, unless I seek him first and all things God first in my life, unless he is the priority in my marriage, my family, my finances, my relationships, unless he is the priority, the builders labor in vain. Everything else is in vain. What am I trying to do? I'm just trying to better your odds. This says the best odds for success in your marriage, your life, your family, is by making God the priority. The scripture is very clear about that. Just trying to better your odds is all. There has to be something greater at work. You have to get the Lord involved. The number one way to deal with the circus that is our marriage is to live a God first life. But understand this morning, we serve a from this day forward God. Amen. 
We serve uh, his mercies are new every morning, God. We serve a second chance, third chance, hundredth chance, millionth chance, new beginnings, new start, clean slate, God. So start fresh. Great is his faithfulness. He's just trying to better your odds in marriage and in life. Amen. He is a good and faithful God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.